Hello and welcome to Subject ACT with me, Heather Murray. Subject ACT brings you stories from your local Canberra community and around Australia, affairs with a global dimension. We've got a couple of stories to bring you tonight, both with a theme of human rights. It's a sad fact that violence against women is one of the most pervasive human rights violations. Zonta is a global organisation with clubs all around Australia and the world, including here in Canberra. Zonta clubs are uniting for 16 days of activism with a campaign to eliminate violence against women. More about their campaign later in the show. But first we turn to a story about Medivac. Over recent months, Subject ACT has brought a number of discussions to you about the Medivac laws the provisions that are aimed at expediting evacuations of critically ill refugees from Papua New Guinea and Nauru to Australia. Tonight we hear from ANU Emeritus Professor John Warhurst about the political context for the laws and the Morrison government's bill to get rid of them. Warhurst is a prominent Canberra-based political commentator. His speech that we're broadcasting tonight is from a public meeting held in Canberra earlier this year about the Medivac laws, at which Karen Phelps was also a guest speaker and Subject ACT broadcast her speech from this event a few weeks ago. Thank you very much. I'd like to add my respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging on whose land we are meeting and whose enduring culture uh, we respect. It's a real pleasure to be here this evening. Our support for asylum seekers and refugees should never be diminished by fear-mongering, exaggeration of dangers and outright lies by those who seek to demonise them. That must be our pledge to ourselves and to the Australian community when that fear is being generated by powerful figures in the government. The case for the rights of asylum seekers and refugees is based on justice, compassion and careful logic. Let us never forget that. Our pride in what we stand for as we speak in support of asylum seekers should be undiminished. This applies to the issue of the moment. The defence of the Medivac legislation passed by the previous parliament earlier this year in February, in which Dr Karen Phelps, as member for Wentworth, and other crossbench members in the House of Representatives played such a key role. That was a proud, but in many ways atypical moment in Australian parliamentary history. If only it could be more typical. I think that's a question for all of us. This Medivac legislation and the process it created to provide transfer of dangerously ill refugees and asylum seekers to the Australian mainland for urgent medical treatment is now under imminent threat of repeal by the Morrison government and by the Australian parliament. Yet this legislation incorporates checks and balances and retains discretionary ministerial authority within reasonable limitations. This Medivac legislation is one of the the good things done in the previous parliament, which is under immediate threat. The government, led by Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton, makes a series of spurious claims about this process, the Medivac process, and besmirches the reputation, not only of the refugees and asylum seekers themselves, which must be our first consideration, but also of anyone else, including doctors, lawyers and other professionals, and of course MPs, who dare to stand up for them and to dare to stand up to the government. Not only does the government play the fear card by claiming that the process encourages people smugglers and boat people, 
but it also encourages self-interest rather than altruism among Australian citizens by falsely claiming overcrowding in Australian hospitals and unfair competition for medical care and resources. You know the various things that are said about the Medivac process. And as far as I'm concerned, one of the worst things about the whole environment surrounding the Medivac debate and the Medivac legislation is that it appeals to the worst rather than the best in our community. The government's position is the opposite of truth, the opposite of logic and the opposite of big-hearted compassion. Australians should not be taken in by it, but will they? Increasingly, public opinion surveys demonstrate that a growing number of Australians are not taken in by the government's position. Removing all refugee children from Nauru and Manus Island is increasingly supported. That is, removing them to bring them to Australia or elsewhere safely. The support among the Australian community is up to 80% when the option of transfer to New Zealand is offered as an alternative. National majorities support the end of offshore detention. Don't let anyone tell you that the Medivac legislation is not popular. It is. Despite all the resources of the government being thrown against it, and despite all the mistruths and exaggerations and hard-edged politics thrown against it. There's a long-term shift in attitudes going on in the positive direction among Australians of support for asylum seekers and refugees. But we do need to remember that the community remains quite evenly split still. And in some states, including Queensland and Western Australia, it appears that majorities remain opposed to resettlement of asylum seekers in Australia. Those state majorities remain significant given where the recent federal election was decided, or was said to be decided, especially the majority in Queensland opposed to resettlement. And I think we can't neglect the election result on May the 18th and the whole vibe and the issues and the environment that surrounded that election campaign. I'm an optimist and we should be optimistic, but not blindly optimistic about the attitudes of the Australian community and the likelihood of support for positive policy change. And I think we share that optimism with other causes. Some, it has to be said, perhaps with even greater community support. And I think when we play the game of public opinion, um, we have to be aware that, or remind ourselves, that there are some other causes, probably climate change, and action on climate change is one that comes to mind, with at least the same and perhaps even greater support in the Australian community. So if the Australian community is asked during the lead up to uh, parliamentary proceedings as far as Medivac is concerned, if they're asked, and of course they won't be asked directly, the government will say, well, you had your say back on uh, May the 18th, unfortunately. But if they're asked, then they would reflect that changing of public opinion within the broader Australian community to some extent, I think, a changing public opinion around the world even, in some parts of the world, of more compassion and justice for uh, refugees and asylum seekers. Majority support in the community for just treatment for asylum seekers and refugees should be prized and cultivated and worked for. And I know that is what the refugee action community has been doing for many, 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 many years. You've done that and you've done it successfully. But narrow support in the Australian community may not be enough to generate change in government policy because Australia is locked into an adversarial, disciplined, two-party system by and large 
which when parties are in lockstep on a particular issue, doesn't offer much real choice to major party voters under our preferential system. That's why I think that broadening support in particular parts of the Australian community, which are generally perceived as being more conservative, temperamentally conservative, if not ideologically conservative, if we can make that distinction, like rural communities and faith-based communities. And it's from a faith-based background that, that I've spent quite some time and come from. And I think concentrating on particular more conservative communities is an important strategy, parallel, side by side perhaps, with attempting to build greater majority support across the whole community. And in saying that, I know that the refugee action community has taken such steps already and has worked hard on cultivating support within particular communities and the faith-based community uh, is one. I know, and just for one example, and uh, Karen Phelps would know this better than I did, that voices from the faith community were part of local groups like Wentworth for Refugees, which contributed to children being transferred from Nauru during her six-month period in Parliament. And at the national level, Politics in the Service of Peace, the major election statement by the Australian Catholic bishops, stressed deep concerns about just treatment for those seeking asylum. And that statement and many others during the election campaign should never be forgotten. And I think that's one of my concerns since the election on May the 18th, that all the, all the support for many progressive causes, which was uh, part of that election campaign, has almost been washed aside as if it didn't exist, as if the result said, well, we put your concerns to one side and now we're going to get on with the concerns of the winning side. And I want to come back to that uh, in a minute. So let's not forget the positive side of the election campaign and don't allow that to be forgotten. The particular statement that I referred to said, millions of our sisters and brothers are forced to flee their homeland for fear of persecution or through displacement because of war and famine. Regardless of how they arrive in Australia, all asylum seekers should have their claims processed in Australia according to international conventions and as speedily as possible, and that includes resettling all remaining refugees on Manus Island and Nauru in Australia. Now I think that's the type of statement of support which the refugee and asylum seeker movement needs and can benefit from because it offers the hope, but not the guarantee, of convincing centre-right voters to stand up against the government and Labor where necessary. It makes support for asylum seekers strong and deep, as well as broad. Those faith communities which I come from have extensive connections into schools and among younger Australians and their parents, which are just as important as raw national level public opinion majorities. Such statements, if followed up by action in communities, are the type of evidence which, as much as the polls, the now much maligned polls, can reassure nervous MPs and nervous party leaders that their electoral prospects won't be hurt by fear campaigns linking them to support for asylum seekers and refugees. Fear campaigns can be neutralised. And on the basis of such statements, we should go further and suggest that supporting asylum seekers and refugees should be a positive attraction for voters looking for a party or candidate to support, and convince the parties and convince candidates that they will gain support, not just hold on to support, but they will gain support by supporting justice for asylum seekers.
But such suggestions must take into account the recent election result, which returned the Morrison government against expectations. I think we're now in the middle of an overreaction phase to that election result. It was, after all, still a close election. However, that result has emboldened the government and made the Prime Minister himself super overconfident. His confidence has been buoyed further, as we read, by congratulations from US President Donald Trump for Australia's hardline immigration policy. Such support, whatever we think of it, is no help to the asylum seeker and refugee movement because it glorifies a tough, unbending stance on border control. Post-election, all social movements are faced with the prevailing winner-take-all political culture. In Australian parliamentary politics, such a culture brings two dangerous consequences. One, the winners are grinners, jubilant and overconfident, and the losers are consigned to the rubbish bin, powerless and humiliated. Now, we know it's not like that in any sensible reading of the world, but I think if you read the media, you could get that impression. And secondly, the successful government parties claim an undifferentiated and total mandate for not just all policies taken to the election, but for all policies associated with the government in any way, whether climate policies, taxation policies, coal mining, treatment of refugees and asylum seekers. So I think it's important to see this Medivac legislation and also the argument about the just treatment of asylum seekers and refugees in a broader context in which the winner takes all. And if we put up with the winner takes all approach to politics, then anything associated with those who are seen to lose faces a very difficult task indeed. That doesn't mean that truth, justice, compassion and logic can't win. It doesn't mean that strategies such as convincing the opposition and the crossbench can't deliver victories. But it does mean that the dynamics of the Australian political system are particularly difficult to shift immediately after an election because of this culture. The Saturday paper rightly describes the Medivac law as a small and qualified concession applicable to less than a thousand people. But the government is in no mood for concessions and it appears only Senator Jackie Lambie from Tasmania stands in the way of their determination to repeal the law. At least that's what we're told. That the changes in the parliament, the changes in the House of Representatives, of course, and the changes in the Senate mean that the attempt to stop the repeal of the Medivac law really is uh, on a knife edge. In these circumstances, we need champions right across the community, champions in the media and champions in parliament in order to advance the cause of those whose voices are silenced by bluster, by lies and by fear-mongering. It's been an honour to speak to you this evening. Thank you very much. That was Emeritus Professor John Warhurst on the importance of the Medivac laws. With the Medivac laws set to be debated by the Senate tomorrow, John Warhurst's words remind us of the importance of standing up for what is right. Now, as mentioned at the top of the show, Zonta clubs around the world are uniting for their Say No to Violence Against Women campaign, which is running for 16 days. Here I'm talking with Glenda Stevens, Vice President of one of two Zonta clubs in Canberra, about this campaign, the action Zonta is taking, and about Zonta initiatives more broadly. Welcome, Glenda. Good evening, Hedda. 
Now, Glenda, there are so many issues that affect women and girls from education to health to work or to just staying safe. What is the vision of Zonta and what are the priority issues of the organisation in Canberra at the moment? Hedda, Zonta works to realise the potential and to help every woman reach her potential uh, by using our skills through advocacy and service. Mm -hmm. Zonta's got a Say No to Violence Against Women and Girls campaign, I understand. That's right. Yesterday we started um, the our 16 days of activism and uh, we had a screening of the movie Little Pebble Mm -hmm. uh, which is a movie about young women across the world uh, who in different ways are just taking one step towards changing their life and how that has a ripple effect throughout their own life but also through their community and throughout the next 15 days we've got uh, different activities happening and culminating on Human Rights Day which is the 10th of December where we will be ringing the Nara Peace Bell in here in Canberra. What are the main messages of the campaign? So what we're, we're trying to raise awareness that vo- domestic violence is happening all across the country and that it's something that shouldn't be happening all across Mm. the country and internationally, of course. Mm. Uh, So far this year, 49 women and girls have died due to uh, violence in their home. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, It is terrible. It's less than last year, but it's still 49 women too many. But domestic violence isn't just uh, just limited to physical violence. Mm. It encompasses things uh, like cyber stalking, like uh, restricting women's ability to access finance, their Mm. their bank accounts, or Mm. limiting how much money the woman can have, Uh, not allowing her to socialise with her friends, Mm. reducing the woman's sense of self-worth. They're all forms of domestic violence, which leads to a negative cycle, which affects the woman's ability to be a functioning, happy, and contributing member of society and also it negatively affects her children Mm. and because most women um, in domestic violence situations do have children right and I guess it affects women and children from all walks of life. It does, it does. It's not restricted to, domestic violence is not restricted to women women of any particular uh, income, any particular education level. It happens all across our society mm. Mm. and it's something that we all need to work towards and being aware to eliminate because no woman or child deserves to live in a violent situation. Everyone has the right to live free of fear and uh, free of violence. Oh, for sure. So what is Zonta doing around Canberra at the moment to, well, over the next fortnight to promote the... We are doing two quite quite simple uh, awareness raising activities. The first is um, in Civic Library. There's going to be a display of orange flowers each flower represents a woman who has been killed um, and it has her name and her age on it and it's we've this is the second or third time we've done this and it is very empowering and very moving when you stand there and see 40 50 flowers with somebody's name written Mm. on it recognizing that those flowers have now been have now been cut down um, at Belconnen Library, we're doing something slightly different. We've got 49 pairs of shoes, of women's shoes, mm-hmm. uh, plus some shoes f- to represent men. And once again, those shoes are no longer be- going to be walked in. Those lives have been stopped. Yeah, it's very sad. It is. It's very sad and it's very... Um, very evocative. 
Yes. So that's those two things that we're doing. And then, of course, on the 10th of December, we uh, are joining with Canberra Rotary with down at Nara Park to ring their peace bell. Mm-hmm. And that's at 6.30 in the morning. And we will ring the bell every t- for every woman killed mm-hmm. and uh, say out say her name out loud um, if with cultural sensitivities, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's something which is very, very sombre. And we realise how many the number 49 doesn't it just rolls off our tongue but when you stand there and listen to the bell and 49 names mm. being re- spoken mm. it takes a long time and then you realize the enormity of of what's happening yeah and can anybody come to that ceremony yes anybody can come along uh, we ha- are asking people just to pop on to try bookings and uh, put their name down uh, but if that's not possible anybody is welcome to come right. along um, so that'll be uh, especially poignant at dawn, I guess. That's with correct. The sunrise over yes. the lake. Yes, sunrise over the lake, and hopefully it'll be a beautiful day. And um, as the sun rises, we remember that there's those women are not going to see another yeah. sunrise. Mm. Their children are not going to spend another sunrise with mm. their mum. That yeah. something that shouldn't have happened has occurred. Yeah, it's very sad. The other thing we have organised is for the Captain Cook Fountain to be lit orange to draw public attention to the 16 days of activism. Oh, very dramatic. It is, yes. Well, orange is not only Zonta's colour, but it's also the colour of the UN, UN Sustainable uh, Development Goal number 5, which sets out the commitment to achieve gender equality. Mm-hmm. So we feel that's very fitting that uh, during our 16 days that we're going to draw everyone's attention yeah. to the campaign with the colour orange yeah and if anything in our discussion so far has raised issues for you you can contact 1800 respect that's 1800 737 732 or you can call lifeline on 13 11 14 at any time of the day or night so what other community service activities uh is onto involved in so each year we run some fundraising activities. Um, our main fundraising is our pre-love fashion sale. Mm-hmm. And next year it's on Friday the 13th of March. Right. But between now and then, um, we ask people as they're over Christmas going through their wardrobe and sorting out their clothes to contact us. And we're happy to take uh, any women's clothes, shoes, jewellery mm-hmm. that you no longer want. And we then uh, make sure it's all clean and nice and good quality. Yep. And we run the pre-love fashion sale. How do people give their clothes to? Uh, if they just want to contact us through our Facebook page or through our email address, we can come. We actually will come and pick it right. up. We have uh, mem- club members who live all over Canberra right. and they're happy to pop by and collect it. We also ask, as you're, you're going through your things, to donate any linen or towels that you may have that mm-hmm. you no longer need. Uh, we give those to women who are leaving refuges. Um, and in the last few weeks, we've actually given uh, enough linen for 11 children. So we've had 11 wow. children move into their own home with their mums. Yeah. And each of them has been given some bed linen and some towels so they feel special yeah. with their new life. So it's a real practical it is. On it the is. ground yes. assistance that yeah. Zonta provides. And one of the other things we provide is as women are leaving the refuges is um, kitchen packs. Mm-hmm. And the kitchen packs have some basic things, a microwave, pots, cutlery, glasses, tea towels. Yeah. Those things that if you don't have them, you need them. 
With that, we also, if there's children moving into the home, we have a program where children get to choose a book from our book library. Mm -hmm. uh, And so they take a new book into the home for them. So they have something new of their own Mm. as well. Um, On a slightly different note, we also uh, make breast care cushions for Mm -hmm. women who are in hospital and have had invasive surgery. Um, And these we... These cushions we provide to the Canberra, Wagga and down the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who's had surgery has probably um, used a, a Zonta woman's breast, ca- uh, breast cushion. And how are they made? Do you make them here in Canberra? We or do. What? We do. Some of our members sew. So they um, uh, have a pattern which is used all across Australia by all the different Zonta clubs. Yep. And uh, then in the, a couple of times a year we have what we call our sip, stuff and sew afternoons. Yep. And uh, we make about 500 breast care cushions. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Can anyone get involved in those Sip stuff and sew afternoon. <laughs> they can. Uh, they they can um, by once again by contacting us and letting yeah. us know uh, that they're interested, and yeah. we're happy to invite some people along. But the other thing that most people in Canberra, apart from the pre-love fashion sale, do like to get involved in, is our birthing kits mm-hmm. uh, day, which is later in the year. It's in July, and we uh, invite anybody in Canberra to come, and we pack. About six or seven items into a small plastic bag the size of a lunch bag. And those items then go to developing countries. They're given to midwives who take them. Women actually then can give birth in a... In a relatively clean um, and safe environment, mm-hmm. uh, simple things like um, a scalpel to cut the umbilical cord, a ple- sheet of plastic to give birth on, small pieces of gauze to wipe the baby's eyes so they don't go blind, a piece of soap, gloves for the nurse, just a, some very things that we think are very pedestrian and very basic, mm. but they actually save lives. Yeah. So at our birthing kit event, we normally pack between two and 3,000 packs. So we do need help yes, there as well. Yes. And what about education? Can we talk a little bit about Zonta's education programs? We do. Uh, Zonta realises that education is a way for women to uh, in- improve their uh, personal circumstances. So there are international, national and local programs. Uh, internationally, we have the Amelia Earhart Scholarship for women who are stu- studying aeronautics. And then if you come locally in Canberra, we fund several scholarships. One is for a young woman studying um, astrophysics at ANU. Mm-hmm. We have some for students doing uh, community service in the high schools. But also we have just started um, a small scholarship for two girls who are in Year 3. Uh, year three, year three, as in third grade. That's primary correct. school. Who yep. have a, yeah, girls who have a strong interest and uh, capability in science, um, and we want to foster that that under their their interest because we know that that's the age they start to disengage. Mm. We also fund um, a couple of smaller refugee schol- scholarships for girls who are refugees, just to help them. Oh, that's vitally important. It is. So we're trying to help girls in all different areas yeah. of the of their lives, knowing that it's not just the money or the activity that helps often it's the fact that other women are standing behind you and understanding that you're not alone mm. there's always going to be other women working with you that we're, we're here as a community to yeah. work together so i guess Santa is also about supporting each other as well as doing these practical things for it other is. women it is very much so because we know that in the act of giving and in the act of volunteering yeah. you're also empowering and nourishing yourself yeah. All right, thanks so much, Glenda, for coming in to speak to us today about Zonta. 
I've been talking with Glenda Stevens, Vice President of the Zonta Club of Canberra Breakfast. Thanks very much, Glenda. Thank you, Hedda. And if you'd like to contact Zonta about their Say No to Violence Against Women campaign or about any of their initiatives, their email address is zontacanberrabreakfastclub at gmail.com or one word. You can reach them through their Facebook page or simply Google Zonta Canberra. And that story brings us to the close of the show. I'm Hedda Murray and it's been great having your company tonight. Stay tuned for the Serbian program, followed by the Spanish program at 730 